Come to this. Oh, you could say that again. This feels good. Back in the saddle a little bit here. Yeah. This Difference, is nice. uh, uh, the saddle's a little different, but it feels good. <laughs> yeah. Slightly different saddle, but uh, I'm excited. This is kind of spur of the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've missed going to movies and watching movies. And so we created a situation where there's enough space to stay away from each other and watch movies. And I'm excited. We have a cool one. Yes, uh, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. This is a movie podcast. Uh, social distancing movies. Uh, yeah, we're gonna watch some classics, starting with the Seven Ups. Seven Ups. We. Uh, this wasn't the one I was expecting to watch today. Mm. This one kind of. You, you, this was a mood. It's been on my mind. Too. It's been on my mind for sure. You've we been wa- wanting to do more '70s crime. Hundred percent. Yeah. That that in itself uh, has been kind of my. Uh, thing yeah we we talk about a lot of different kinds of movies it feels like on this podcast but then you look back and it's a lot of 80s horror and a lot of 80s horror and a lot of current horror and a a lot of current stuff that's been in the theater the last year so yeah i but i grew up um really got into 70s crime and uh action movies you know as Mm -hmm. a teenage guy uh loving the adrenaline stuff but then loving the uh the underbelly and the uh oh yeah just the heartache and the <laughs> horror that comes with it. So uh, I we, love the looks. The '70s crime movies have a look that can't be beaten because there's a uh, there's too many natural looking people. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. too many. Uh, looks too real. There's too many bad comb overs and too many wide collars and too many kind of just melty bods, but skinny melty bods and just like a lot of realism in these people, and uh, you don't see that kind of specific ugly. Right. That goony, handsome, ugly, powerful, handsome? No. Ugly, probably. Confident, but with a bad haircut. Yeah. You know, schlubby clothes, but (laughs) unshakable. But it's great. I love the look of a leather overcoat with uh, straight leg jeans and boots. Oh, we're going to get into some looks. Don't worry. This movie, we we watched this a few times. uh, Well, this is our second time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time. I was uh, too busy trying to follow the plot, but this time I was just soaking in the sights and the smells of this movie. Yeah, it's a it, it's a uh, complicated plot, actually. A bit, yeah. It's, it's, it's a mystery. It's pretty tough to follow because there's a lot of tight connections that you don't know, mm-hmm. and you're just finding them out as certain characters are finding them out. It's pretty complicated. Uh, two goons, <laughs> what, kidnapping mob bosses <laughs> and for ransom. It's yeah. It's a weird rogue fighting against the mafia movie from two creeps. Right. It's such a weird plot, but it's such makes for such a cool, weird, uh, kind of suspenseful. Right. The way everything unfolds without uh-huh. without you knowing exactly what's going on keeps you guessing, keeps you on the edge of your seat. Uh, yeah, you're talking about cops, mobsters, and then someone in between pretending to be cops attacking mobsters. Just not something you see in a typical movie yeah, like this. Yeah, it's it's really complicated, even though there aren't many working characters in the movie. 
<laughs> you just have no idea what half the motivations are. And yeah, it's just one of those great movies with tons of faces that looks just awfully cold in every <laughs> every frame of the movie looks miserable. This movie definitely uh looked uncomfortable to I'm make. a big fan of crime movies that make the scenario look uncomfortable the whole time. Oh, like yeah. a modern one like a most violent year. Mm. It's just like they all have their collars turned up and their shoulders shrugged up the whole time with their faces chapped. It's like, yeah, I want to see these kind of meetings at docks. <laughs> That's my kind of crime movie. And so this movie had that. Everybody looked windburned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> these are this is a rough cast of characters. But it was a it was a big movie because it had a pretty uh, handsome lineage within the, the, the late 60s, early 70s action family because it had the close connection to French Connection, mm, mm-hmm. which was huge. It was the biggest movie of the year before, you know? Yeah, this came out in 73. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Philip D'Antoni. Yeah, who, who was the stunt coordinator for French Connection and Bullet. And so that guy basically hooked up with a lot of the same crew from French Connection and turned around and made his own movie, The Seven Ups. Right, he was a producer on those earlier movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this is his only directing credit, I think. Oh, really? See, I didn't know it that. It seems like it. He's involved in so many different things, like mm-hmm. the stunt side of things and then producing. And uh, and then, yeah, this is like, this felt like his movie with where he had the most pots boiling. You know, he had the most roles in this. But he did that look and feel and vibe of 70s New York, which seems like the scariest place in the world to me. I don't think I could survive in that climate. Scary, dirty, unrelenting, <laughs> uh, out to get you at yeah. every turn. Uh, this movie opens up with uh, Roy Scheider, uh, pre-Jaws Roy Scheider. Yeah, you're post right. Fre- Post-French Connection, but pre-Jaws in that golden little silver moment there for him. Pre-all that jazz. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, he's hanging out on the block. Uh, watching somebody watch somebody. And I love movies that just start out with this kind of scenario uh-huh. with the, someone watching <laughs> someone else. And you know it's about to go down. And you see the guy painting in the corner. But he's not really painting. He's also yeah. watching. There's all that going into it. I, I, I love the opening of this whole movie. Oh, yeah. It's a perfect, like, uh, the 7-Ups is a, is a group of cops. And so this is their introduction where you get to see them kind of, kind of do undercover. Yeah, they're kind of like, if you're familiar with the show The Shield, Mm-hmm. Like the four-man strike team who go after just gang and drug-related cases. And these guys, the 7-Ups, are the special strike team that only go after cases that mean uh, seven years or more in jail. Right. They're so only the going bigger, after the big fish. The bigger right? fish. Not the biggest fish, but bigger than you know misdemeanors. Right. And after they have this first bust where they uh, get these guys for counterfeiting, you hear the captain explain all of this there. Seven years are up, which is cool because that never comes into play the rest of the movie. Like yeah. that aspect of their strike <laughs> yeah, yeah. force. There's two cases not a in the factor, movie. The rest There's of the two film. cases they cover. <laughs> we didn't. It's a weird title to hang your entire hat on. Yeah. But, yeah. There's a lot. Of, this is really the Dalton Abbey, uh, the Downton Abbey of like crime movies, because every scene has a guy in a different doorway. Just kind of hearing another guy. Yeah. There's a lot of listening and uh, it's very masterpiece theater in just polyester plaid pants. 
Oh, and man. leather jackets. And then the uh, this so this this semi opening scene at the station after they've made the bust. Roy Scheider, like you said, he's listening in, hearing this expo uh, exposition, wearing what I can only assume is a homemade Raiders yeah. sweatshirt <laughs> with the sleeves cut off. Just a cropped sweatshirt with Raiders kind of written on it in sloppy block letters. Meanwhile, the other members are all they're getting dressed up in their clothes. One's about to go out to a disco. It looks like one's about to go out to a. a pimp uh some people it looks like yeah this whole crew is just the looks of these guys it's good it's outrageous. a good four-man crew these outrageous. Guys are outrageous yeah I, I i liked the crew together the seven ups together mm-hmm. the gang name you got buddy borelli mingo <laughs> and ansel who couldn't love that it's like we cover all the nationalities and all the skin tones everyone gets a little group. stereotype yeah, yeah. <laughs> borelli's the guy that just his only job in the in the force is to eat oh man just the one the guy eating guys always great. eating great that one scene of him just devouring that like salami sandwich. <laughs> just he's got that thin panini. Yeah. And he's standing outside a stakeout van and he's got like Woofing it. at least three <laughs> mouthfuls of food every shot. Yeah. Like he doesn't just take a bite in a row like people. He just does the rah, rah, rah. like <laughs> one, two, three. He does the combo bites. And he's a tiny kind of wiry guy with cool slick back hair, just shoving food into his face. Oh man, the looks. You think he would have been a coroner. The way he was shoveling that food. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the big movie eaters. Yeah, big time. But uh, yeah, and then you had the black cop who was like the cigar chomping mm-hmm. guy. Constant. The ashtrays in these cars were just the most butts filled, gray, ages old ash <laughs> things, man. In every there car. There was like green smoke coming out of these guys' <laughs> like mouth when they were smoking it was just like this putrid looking this movie's uh, got the, the right amount of grime yeah. the right amount of smell and just the right amount of leather <laughs> like the constant clouds of breath mm-hmm. coming out of people's faces and a super cool cast because roy scheider is roy scheider is really cool i remember you he's good yeah roy scheider is just really good in this kind of thing and Tony Lobianco plays this kind of weird, mumbly mouth, what, gangster affiliated undertaker and, who's kind of, they help each other. Yeah, he's kind of the informant unofficially uh-huh. for, for Scheider. And they're old childhood friends, they yeah. make very clear. So you get a lot of this, like, kind of long, two people that have known each other a long time, meandering bullshit talk. There's a lot of <laughs> chit chat. <laughs> There's you a just lot of just a... small talk. Yeah, I noticed that this time too, and I was I'm glad you brought it up because yeah, when he and when Lo Bianco and and Scheider first meet, and they're like, they're kind of reminiscing about, oh, hey, we used to swim in that river. Remember you kicked that guy's ass. That's all fine yeah. and good. That's all well and good. But then when they should have gotten down to business, he goes in with the, hey, did you see that game last night? The guy was way out of bounds. You're like, we're still chit chatting. <laughs> We're still catching up. We did like a camera angle change. Yeah. So you think like you're the one guy ex- starts to walk away. Yeah. And one guy walks to- away, taps the other on the shoulder to follow him. We go to a new on-looking camera angle. There's no talking for a bit, so we're clearly mentally drawn to like, all right, now we're down to business. And then they start up with the even more mundane chit chat, like, man, it's a cold one. Uh, like, come on. They do mention the weather a lot. Yeah. But yeah, just the way that he like kind of taps him with the paper. Hey, did you see that game last night? I was like, this kind of it like feels yeah. real. I get it. I'll give him that. I, no. Felt natural. It, like, yeah, you would ask about the game, but 
Holy cow. It's so good. There's a lot of... Uh, Slumber Party Massacre all over again with that. <laughs> Ron Say. Ron Say. How many homers? <laughs> we don't care. Well, we know Ron Say had one. We don't care. <laughs> I, I do love um, a feature of these 70s crime movies is you get the real-time action. Mm-hmm. I am kind of a... There's the same kind of things that tr- can drive me bonkers about 50s sci-fi movies. Where it's like these scientists have been talking about this thing for eleven minutes. Totally, uh, uh, but I kind of love in crime movies where it's like we are taking five and a half minutes to drive across town right now. You know, their guys are really driving and following, and I like that kind of real time baked in feeling. Mm-hmm. It helped me really put me into the scary early seventies of New York. I wonder if that happened more often back then because that's just the pace of life. Like, it would be more natural to see someone take their time. I, I know they did that a lot on TV, too, with these old shows. You yeah. Know, you'd see the guy drive to the airport, get on the plane, the plane flies, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, it's one of those where it's like, you know, back in the 70s, that was kind of how you did things. You didn't have uh, some machine to look everything up on you, you kind of had to follow yeah. the leads and i gotta go see the guy at the pier <laughs> you know it takes a while to get down to that pier you gotta walk all the guys all the why is he way down at the end of the pier now yeah. i gotta walk all the way down to the yeah pier. i love all the meeting place in this one <laughs> i don't know how they set it up and you don't really know why they're meeting for a long time i like how the movie kind of doesn't keep you filled in mm-hmm. just forces you to stay at the movie's pace i think that is a plus for the movie uh it really helped me get sucked in every time i've seen this movie five or six times i love watching it um and we get two of my favorite goons in a movie what a twosome of richard lynch the creep (laughs) uh creepiest and and bill hickman the legendary stunt driver the stunt man also in a cool acting role what did you (laughs) what did you describe him as Oh, uh, well, I called him Neil Young, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he looks a bit like an older older Neil yeah. Young. He looks like late 80s Neil Young. The big old mutton chops. Yeah. And the shaggy hair. And I said he looks like thug Roy Orbison. Because <laughs> <laughs> he also has got the That's same one, yeah. Roy Orbison shades, but that same kind of loose pompadour. Just like an older, but there's like, it's so funny because this movie it made me think of, I don't know if we were talking about it or if I heard it somewhere else, but about... How is all old men committing crimes back yeah, in the dude. 70s? I love it. I think you had brought yeah. that up because it's like <laughs> it's always just... these old dudes in suits with the gray in the hair all committing these crimes. And that's exactly what we get in this one, too. It's so good. We get so this crazy plot that's treated as like very sly, sinister, serious and almost horror movie like at times. I was. Yeah. This movie's uh, well, got a lot of horror elements to it. I it implemented in a especially. cool way, yeah. yeah. But you got these two guys, Richard Lynch, who I think he was one. He's like a a guy I've been talking about for a while. He's an all time creep. Uh, you know the movie Scarecrow. I know you like that one, mm. the Al Pacino, Gene Hackman one. Richard Lynch is the guy in that in in like that camp, the work camp. Right. Tries to assault Al Pacino. That's right. That was like the year before. Then also with Tony Lobianco. That's one of my all-time, I guess, scarecrow tidbit. Yeah. That that scene where Hackman then gets kind of 
goes after the guy out in the field and yeah. it's just the widest longest shot away <laughs> farthest away shot and man. you just see hackman just swinging oh yeah one of my favorite shots oh yeah just oh hackman hackman gives such a bad beating to richard lynch they had to cut to the widest camera <laughs> angle possible yeah, yeah you, no. you don't want to see this <laughs> yeah no get that crane higher yeah yeah it's great but uh yeah him him is the creep in this one and yeah hickman is just the stone-faced thug yeah this is, and even Hickman, Hickman's like looks at, you know, he's looked like 55 years old. He's just this big kind of jowly, kind of lanky but bulky thug. And Richard Lynch is this weaselly, uh, piercing eyes, sharp nose, weird teeth. Like, God, Richard Lynch is the weirdest. <laughs> he's, so, he's got like scars on his neck and he, stuff, he right? Was, uh, he was burned, uh, I think I read. Hmm. So that's why he has the neck scars and his skin is kind of looks a little smoother. Uh, if you might have noticed right but yeah and especially yeah right around the chin and neck you see a lot of, like the burn marks interesting so, yeah i think he was in some accident uh in the 60s so that get, that kind of adds to his uh kind of cool menace mm-hmm. you know he's not really an ugly guy per se but he has unpleasant angry features <laughs> and i i for unpleasant a, is a good way to put it yeah, yeah for a guy who's not big he really comes across as mean and these guys are seem to be not really affiliated with anybody, just pose as cops, kidnap mid-level mob guys, and ransom them. Right. Sounds like they're kind of like the cool-ass Robin Hoods. <laughs> but they're, like, not cool. <laughs> right. They uh, And they seem to know what they're doing. They've got this thing down. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they're efficient. They've got a whole... I love the drop-off system for the cash, where they yeah. have these guys go through a car wash, oh, and then they lock man. them in the car and take the money out of the trunk the car wash Great. scenes are essentially the horror scenes those are of the movie those were terrifying the those music are, cues in those are i'm like what is going on like a psycho score or yeah, something that is i know this movie is is well regarded but it's not as famously regarded as bullet or the french connection right for famous that era crime and chase movies but i think it's stronger in so many ways and set pieces like the car wash drop that should be among the most legendary settings in a movie. It it should get talked about in horror specials hmm. and those kind of features because it is pure horror. These two thugs have their drop to exchange the cash in the scariest way. I'm can't. I'm never gonna go to one of those automated car washes. Oh, they freak me out, man. Yeah, yeah. They already are kind of weird in a relaxing, weird kind of way, but these two guys hide in the car wash. In like rain slickers, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, you don't want to get wet. Tell them to put the suitcase full of the briefcase full of cash in the trunk of the car, and then the whole car is covered in suds. As it's like we're seeing a real time car wash taking oh, place. Yeah, like we are. three times I think. It's, a, it's like a quarter mile long car wash. Yeah, <laughs> this is a, it's a big city block car wash. Yeah, and. Uh, then the guys are sneaking around the outside of the car, breaking into it. The coolest was when they locked all the door handles with handcuffs. Because mm-hmm. every car in this movie is this big battle tank. The yeah. cars took up the like 70s three cars. lanes in these movies. And they just float along the road. I mean, they called <laughs> yeah. them boats for a reason. You see these things going down the road. <laughs> yeah. They look like they're on waves. It's crazy. Yeah. When we get to the chase, we'll just... That added to so much to the look. Yeah. But these horror scenes, the music cues are, are frightening. 
it is straight up, yeah, like you said, psycho stabbing sound effects. While these people are trapped in a car, it's very claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. You can't see anything, so it's very, uh, you know, disconcerting. And then, yeah, once you hear just, oh, all the crimes taking place in this car wash. What a <laughs> cool location. What a cool bad guy operation. Yeah, I like it. And there's a third man to the operation, too. We got Joe Spinell. He's kind of their lesser scene, kind of a weenier character for him. Yeah, he looked like a he had a bit of a baby face almost in this yeah. one for for 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he works at the garage in a in a bit later on in the. Uh... But yeah, the, so the mobsters all they know is that cops are kidnapping them for ransom. Yeah, so their mobsters are mad at the cops. So the mobsters are all up in arms. They're w- ready to fight back because this guy that we see get kidnapped is maybe like the fourth or fifth dude. It <laughs> yeah, seems like. a lot like, of mobsters these guys, are getting kidnapped. Like when I say they're efficient, because they've been practicing, they've had. A whole list of guys that they've been taking. Yeah. They've been extorting hundreds of thousands of dollars out of the mob, and and they think it's the cops. So then it almost becomes like bad timing for the 7-Ups to be looking <laughs> at the mob. Yeah. Because they, as cops, now the mob is thinking they're the ones. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's almost like this tiny little subplot of the chief and others thinking they're the ones behind it. Yeah. Um, it's great the way everybody they have no idea what's going on yeah the way everybody gets involved with each other comes together really great because nothing like half of them aren't aware but it's not in one of those stupid uh it's crazy how our lives can cross paths sometimes <laughs> kind of ways you know it's just people like falling backwards into crime with each other mm-hmm. and i love how ugh, more kind of lower and lower uh roy scheider gets as the movie goes on, they're already kind of portrayed early on in the let's explain who the 7-Ups are uh, monologue from the chief. Like, I don't want to know about how they do it. Sure. I don't need to know that. You know, they get results, that kind of thing. So right. they're already kind of portrayed as that, but not mean. But then they kind of start uh, threatening people and getting a little more uh, violent with their uh, tactics as the movie goes on, and they get more desperate mm-hmm. to figure out why this is happening. Very cool how they keep s- certain elements of confusion from every party. Yeah, there is a, there is a bit of a like a descent for Roy Scheider in this movie as yeah. far as morality and, and yeah his what he's willing to do uh, to get the results. But uh, but it's not played really like dark as a man falling into a pit of despair. It right. is more just There's like... There's no like sh- him looking at a shattered mirror moment or <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah. Right. It's just more... He plays it so cool that... Uh, and I like his look. Like I said, he's always got like the, the dark jeans, leather waistcoat, or just the like cool crew neck sweatshirt. Yeah. 70s look, you know? He's got a turtleneck at one point. Kind of like a John Cassavetes kind of look. That, you know? that dark leather... Dark brown leather jacket that he's got. Whew, yeah. That is sweet. That looks so cool. So good. And Tony Lobianco's like kind of suede jacket yeah. that he's got. New York is Woo. the best jackets. Oh, I mean, you got to have them. The 70s New York winter coat. And everyone with that collar flipped up. Yeah. I remember being a kid and thinking that was so cool to have the collar flipped up. But I didn't. Well, I, got but I was thinking of it like Miami Vice where it's just I got cool. news for you. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, I've been uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've been vindicated. You follow that instinct, Man. but like they have to have it up because it's so cold. Uh-huh. 
I love, I love the that. winter look in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, does my body hate the winter. Ugh, it's oh, in your I bones can... over there, too. I don't know. Yeah, if man. You, I no. mean, you've been there. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I spent like a late November in New York City once <laughs> working, and it's like snow and cold, but it is uh, bitterly cold. Yeah. When it is there. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I'm not I don't I'm not good with We're it. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and so seeing these people just just to meet up with somebody somewhere. They're just uncomfortable. <laughs> every every week of it. Except occasionally, you know, we got some nice comfortable homes. I like our glimpses into the mob's home life. I always like that in these seventies movies. Mm-hmm. When mob guys get taken down in their wife's furnished house. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I like the wife the the one guy's wife in this one for sure. Oh yeah. Good, some good different style mob wives. We had an older crew, that's why. Because everybody in the movie that's a target is like 70 years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. No young guys in this mob at all. Yeah. yeah. It's a bunch of like mid-level mobs, mob guys who have been doing this for a while and are just living comfortably in uh, you know Rochester suburbs. <laughs> in very nice homes. Mm-hmm. With just some money laundering. Not killing anyone. Yeah, they seem like they're very gentle mobsters as things go. It's business. You yeah. know? They're not out to hurt people. Just, yeah. pay, just pay the money, you know? But there's so many good old guy faces. I love the uh, the kind of looks like the consigliere, kind of the tall, beaky one with the glasses. The guy who's uh, getting his aspirator pulled out mm-hmm. by Roy Scheider at the end, the guy driving the car. Mm-hmm. That guy's like, who's this dude? Yeah, they're all these something. Yeah, car ride. They're all these old... At least you got to be 50 to be in this club. Yeah. They've all got like the the Scorsese eyebrows that are yeah. just four inches long somehow. Yeah. And I love all set all the seven. That, and plus you get that wide shot where it shows there's like 14 of them all meeting to be like, what the hell is happening to us? Mm-hmm. And they're all, then you get, that just means you get 14 different uh, mid 60s year old suits. It's yeah. all a feast for the eyes. It was like a scene out of uh, the X Files where it's all the old guy world leaders <laughs> sitting around, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was great. But uh, yeah, all these guys get together at a, at a funeral, and the seven yeah, they meet are watching. at a funeral home. Yeah, they meet at the funeral home yeah. for. I, That's where they do their business, and uh, the seven ups happen to be watching them there, uh, trying to figure out you know what's going on. Yeah, because uh, we actually see Richard Lynch meet up with Tony Lobianco pretty early in the movie. Yeah. So we actually know, as the audience, before anyone else, that's that's they're our at least, big. They're at least in a in cahoots in some way. That's really the one thing we know yeah. that nobody else knows. Right. Everybody else in the movie is only seeing one side of the story. We're the only ones that see that side. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I, I like how the movie gives us those advantages while keeping us just as lost. It's super smartly constructed that way, mm-hmm. and I love its kind of command of the different elements of drama, how you get that mundane realness to it with some of the conversations. But then you get genuinely suspenseful thriller-type scenes, a lot of sneaking around corners. And- well, this scene at the funeral home, when you've got the guys watching them, you've got, what's his name, Ansel or someone, mm-hmm. you know, the blonde guy. He's kind of the one that does the real he's undercover, deep, cover. deep stuff. So he's posing as a chauffeur. Outside with all the other chauffeurs at this funeral home. Yeah, really in the thick of all the all the crime. And with these mobsters on the lookout for cops, they they eventually kind of figure out he's not with anyone. And yeah, that whole scene leading up where they they call all the chauffeurs to come into the building, 
and you can just see him like, uh, do I run? Yeah. Uh, oh, you, oh, you want all? Oh, you want all of us to go in there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, me too. It's oh, I'm wa- such the most painful like, extending like, of your eventual oh, beating. This guy is so done. Yeah. And yeah, that was just so like. Well, I love. You get that great moment where he's in deep cover and he sees what part of his wiring fell out the bottom of his pant leg, mm-hmm. and he has to like he's just kind of lingering out front with trying to blend in. And then, yeah, I love that whole shot of, like, some dumb thug noticing him fixing the wire. And you get the also the angle, which is a great used angle in these crime movies, where uh, something like he's, oh, his jacket's interfering with the mic. I'm, I'm not getting anything he's saying. <laughs> yeah, the tech in And this. so the guy's starting to drown out there, and they don't, like, can you hear him? They're just arguing over, like, ah, I made out. Uh, yeah, what'd he say? What is yeah. that, like, cart? Something right. cart? What, what could that be? And then he's down there about to like die. <laughs> and uh but I love how that all plays out because then they kind of film this brilliant one two scene of all these mid level mob bosses looking kinda just outmatched and over their heads and infighting and nobody really knowing what to do to like flipping a switch and these guys are already like we're going to beat the shit out of this cop. <laughs> We're going to kidnap him and hold him for ransom. Right. And it's like suddenly they are like all like, dude, these old men are kind of scary. <laughs> these old men have confidence. That's scary. They're not messing around. Yeah. Um, yeah. They think they, they think the cop that they've got is in on the plot. He knows nothing about anything. Um, and then we kind of, yeah, that's where we kind of build to our, our action yeah. piece of the movie. Which yeah, we is- got... We got the horror stuff out of the way. Yeah. And the horror stuff, again, is very great. I've never seen an actual... I'm sure there's got to be a car wash horror scene in some 80s slasher. Oh, I'm sure. But this is just genuine horror. And But compared to the chase scene... Is this... I think this might be my favorite movie car chase. Uh, it's, it's gotta be right. Yeah. I, I think this is the tops. It's uh yeah, we, we eventually get to a situation where our cop is in the trunk. Our boys are, end up killing him, mm-hmm. shooting the mobster who had him. It's a whole mess. You guys, yeah. like, it's kind of like, it's hard to explain. You have to like, watch it play out. It's almost like right? you get, it's almost like if you got, uh, if reservoir dogs didn't end where it ended. Yeah. If only a couple of them got shot in that standoff, and then there was another scene after that with a chase. Yeah, exactly. Suffice to say that Roy Scheider sees our two goons get into a car and take off, and then he's got a muscle car. Yeah, they're in a giant like Cadillac or Oldsmobile looking boat. He's got Scheider a muscle had like car. a little yeah, like a Pontiac coupe. Um, and then it's and one had, of the they great... had a big old tank, man. That yeah. black tank. I don't know if that was a Pontiac too, or if that was like a souped-up Charger. I'm not super. Anything I know about cars is only picked up by osmosis from these '70s. Crime it's got to be souped up, though. You yeah. know it's souped. You know up. it's souped. <laughs> you know this thing is souped. This thing is uh, fully decked out. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> dude. I'm when they started these cars up and and gun the pedal and the car bef- and the car stalls a bit before. That is the most roaring car sounds. You know, just like God, my car car is a total weenus compared to any of these my civic yeah this this whole car chase probably takes five minutes but it is just roars of the engine the squeals of the tire there's actually no music that i can think of in this whole sequence i honestly couldn't tell you man every time i watch this scene i'm just like 
I bet my mouth is wide open. It's my favorite car scene because, and there's great car chase scenes. There was shockingly great car chase scenes uh, every year still. Like last year, Gemini Man mm. had a great car chase scene. One of the best I've seen. Uh, which is cool because that means movies that are kind of sucky can also have some awesome element, you know? Is that the Will Smith yeah. one? Yeah. Okay. That's the, the Will Smith as Will Smith movie. Uh, but, you know, Bullet is a famous scene. And I love the bullet scene. And I love the shots where you, you know, the kind of farther back shots where you can actually see Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But it also feels and is really cobbled together. You know, it's a real editor's car chase. Like making it look, you know, some of these shots were miles apart. Right. I was going to say, isn't it? It's, it's like they're in the city, then they're out of the city. <laughs> yeah. If anybody that's again. driven through San Francisco knows some of these shots are mm-hmm. crazy. Um, French Connections is great. That super claustrophobic feel under the uh, train overpass. Absolutely. Like for half the race. Oh, that's crazy. But the seven ups, man. If I'm sure some of it was, you know, tightly and smartly edited, but it feels so cohesive and so real time and so genuine and so like loose. Mm hmm. There's a couple of dangerous what look like close calls. Right. Kind of that same feeling where we all started to get blown away by William Lustig's car chase stuff. Mm. Lustig has like the strongest car chase record, I think, compared to uh, Hickman uh, and I could know, see all that. Guys. Yeah, yeah. Friedkin. Yeah, Friedkin as well. But yeah, with the stuff in Maniac Cop 2 and Maniac Cop and, you know, stuff in Vigilante, like, he understands mm-hmm. car that stuff. whole end of uh, even hit list. I want to say oh hit list stuff. Parking the, garage, good the scene. Parking garage car chase mm-hmm. with uh, Spiro's head almost getting taken <laughs> off by a concrete divider. Yeah, <sighs> that guy and Lustig are are like McLaughlin and uh, Lynch, like, perfect pair. <laughs> good pair. So glad those found each other. But this chase scene, man, it's my favorite. It is scary in scenes. In fact. I don't know if you remember when you interviewed William Lustig Mm -hmm. with me on the line. (laughs) Right. Yep. We talked about this movie. I remember him bringing it up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He well, we had asked about uh, Spinell, I think, Mm -hmm. and he had mentioned this because I think William Lustig was like a PA or something on this movie. I think this was one of the early movies that he worked on in yeah. any way. I remember him saying that, and his, and Spinell was nice to him, even though he was nobody, and that's how they got to be friends. But mm-hmm. I do remember him, yeah, bringing it up. Yeah, and we talked about this chase, and I love the shots because you know it's so authentic because you know Bill Hickman is the stunt driver, mm-hmm. and he's been this. Character. You're seeing the you're seeing the real deal. Yeah, yeah you are seeing it. him. I love him so much for just how cool and calm he looks while doing some crazy street driving. These are some tight squeezes with so many cars. The coordination on this had to be insane. Mm -hmm. This is some thick traffic and a lot of moving pieces. And the way he is maneuvering through it and the shots to the absolute white-faced terror... On Richard Lynch in the passenger seat. It's such a great juxtaposition because Richard Lynch looks like he's about to vomit. Genuinely. And uh, he's got his hands up in that like Dracula seeing the sunshine kind of form. Like, ah! 
and yeah, and then the driver is just. You met you brought up Cliff Booth, I think, when like maybe yeah. before, like he's like the Cliff Booth, you know, Brad Pitt's character. But now thinking about the way that they shot Brad Pitt driving, stone faced, yeah, weaving in and out of things, looked exactly like this with the hair flapping too. They had their hair combed the same way. So yeah, if you told me that he like took that driving mm-hmm. look from this movie, I totally well. Bill Hickman's it. got that. His villain looks got those great black glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why that's why the Roy Orbison thing <laughs> yeah. hit me. Big time. So it's like, yeah, this like criminal version of Roy Orbison. And oh man, it definitely looked like a guy that could be Cliff Booth uh fourteen years after the it, Cliff w- Booth. It wouldn't we surprise saw. me at all, like if, if I were to hear that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if that was an inspiration, you know Seven Ups is a movie that Tarantino's played at the the New Beverly. Definitely. Has to be. But this scene, man. I love it through the the kind of outer boroughs of New York and heavy traffic, crazy flying down streets and down hills. Uh, Getting on sidewalks, hitting the fruit cart. I mean, it hits all the buttons. Yeah, there's that one shot when they're getting on the bridge and that one car is coming in hot and takes that wide, wide turn. And there's like five or six cars that you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, like it just looked that that thing was inches from careening way out of control and just flying through tons of things and just the way these cars smashed into yeah. things and I, I i mentioned it while we were watching it because it was so surprising to me because i'm so used to seeing cars crumple yeah and these things are just modern steel car- beasts yeah modern cars are made to collapse yeah because it's safer obviously yeah. you don't get jerked around so much but yeah. Seeing like uh, the the car door get sheared off and the yeah the way that the metal just was like shearing and then you've got the sound of the engine you've got the squeal of the tires you got things scraping together it was <laughs> yeah. like just this like overwhelming the sound of metal crashing into metal is scary to me I think we've both been in car accidents mm-hmm. it's scary hearing that metal high speed crunch. It, once you, you know, everybody, it's the thing most people have experienced. And, ugh, there's just nothing but that in this. Everything is bumping into everything. And these giant tanks. My grandma had, like, a, you know, early 80s Buick. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, the doors on this thing. <laughs> I would just be shoving with both hands this huge tank, this silver blue tank. Totally. And it's like, that was like the holdover, you know? It used and, to be so hard to close car doors yeah. when we were kids. You guys have no idea. Yeah, you don't know. It was, it was, I remember that was a thing where I would never be able to get it. Like the first time, it always have to be, you have to give it that extra push. There's like, so, like half click and you're just like, come on. <laughs> so many things about doors in the 80s <laughs> that kids will just never understand. <laughs> It's going to be impossible to impart to them doors. Especially car doors, They've though. been so door-spoiled. You used to have an analog window up, rolling up and down lever that you had to power with the, the power of your own arm. Yeah. There is a lot of great, just uncomfortable driving in this. Mm. Just even when uh, you know they're kidnapping guys, all of those shots are great. With Bill Hickman driving them away and Richard Lynch holding them steady with a creeps grin in the back seat mm-hmm. while these guys have no idea what's going on we got like a few of those different scenes anything with a car in this movie is golden 
Great car movie. Yeah. Yeah. I am such a not car guy. (laughs) (laughs) I could not care less about cars. And then I see a movie like this and it's like, man, cars are the best. Cars rule. How great are cars, guys? How cool did cars make that movie? But yeah, my favorite chase scene. And the more I watch it, just one of my outright favorite movies. It was a 73 Pontiac Grandville. 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 Ville. 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 Grandville. I uh, I have no idea what cars are. I know a Dodge Charger. Pretty sick. That is it. Yeah, pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> souped up. I think I think I read it was souped up. It was was it the soup model. It was soupy. Yeah, super soupy. I love it so much. I think it's a, a different kind of '70s movie than some expect. There's quieter parts, mm-hmm. and the confusion uh, is can be somewhat distracting. The purposeful confusion mm-hmm. uh, can I think can throw some people, and so I don't know. Maybe that's why it's not talked in the same well, breaths it, as some of the the other classics. It's also just I mean, like you said uh, earlier, the the cops uh, after this chase scene, they try to intimidate Spinell in a great scene mm-hmm. where Spinell shows his hands aren't shaken. Yeah, just a really cool <laughs> little. You know, I've been the, here before. I didn't mo- talk then. I won't talk now. That might be really the cool. youngest Spinell we've seen. It was almost Spinell is more of a hippie-ish character. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually he's more kind of the greasy thug, or the uh, the white collar uh, or the blue collar hardworking laborer kind of guy. This is definitely him as more of a hippie-ish thug. Weird combo, but it's Spinell, so of course it works. Of course, he's he makes those, it work. He's one of those guys that brings such clear authenticity to a, a new york kind of movie you know and this movie's filled with that I, I think it's such an achievement there's there's few movies from that era of the 70s that i put ahead of it yeah you know? so um so cool yeah we're gonna we're gonna be talking more about 70s crime stuff that's a little sure. direction we're gonna be taking as we continue with this but the thought i had that i lost was oh they are they're trying to intimidate spinel mm-hmm they end up breaking into the house of the one mobster who got kidnapped to see where you know what yeah. he knows. So they're starting to commit like big crimes, breaking oh, yeah. and entering. Strike, like I said, the strike force, uh, Roy Shire's strike force, gets more and more on the blurred side of the law. Yeah. in every you know scene of the movie. And then when Shider kind of finds out that it's his friend who's been giving up this, or who's been kind of leading this thing, yeah. And uh, he he plays him. He gives him some false information. So there's a, there's like double crossing going on. And then our finale is actually like a really bleak, <laughs> yeah, dark finale. Oh yeah. Um, that eventually we get the thugs, but uh, the thugs who've you know it's it's like a revenge thing at this point. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's we about dip a little bit into death partner. Wish. Yeah, which uh which is cool. Yeah, I, I like that because it's not even about solving the case. It's just about getting revenge for their yeah, friend. But I love the level of emotional detachment they keep it at because they don't treat it as, uh, you know, a man fighting against his depths. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not portrayed as this man battling his darkness. It's never really portrayed anything differently than him doing his job. We can just see that it's going beyond that. Yeah. So I like the kind of uh, step back the movie takes for that. I think it puts a nicer spin, a cooler touch on the movie. So I I love The French Connection, mm-hmm. but I think The 7-Ups is better. 
than the French Connection. I think it's better than Bullet. I think this should be the movie that people talk about as the the pinnacle of that genre. I would say I feel strong. I would say uh, it gives you more of an emotional connection, emotional impact when these yeah. when this one cop does die. You know that I, I think the violence is a little means a little more in this mm-hmm. one, and the ending when they finally kill the thugs and the music just kind of almost has this minor chord just yeah way of dissolving <laughs> just a drop off uh you really just get this deeper sense of uh kind of this depth that this guy has gone to now yeah and yeah. actually just shooting a guy and killing him i, and I think richard lynch really adds to things too he, he was his one, death is one of the great whew. one of the great getting shot a bunch uh, deaths in cinema history. Yeah, Richard Lynch eats like five Amazing. slugs at least, and like falls forward. Yeah, flopping forward in in the uh, hideout area. Dude, there. we get we've seen some. <laughs> there are an endless amount of great seventies New York uh, set pieces. Mm. These outer areas just of the city look so abandoned. How was there a house out there where Spinell was living? It was like the tracks, but yeah, everything looked yeah, like man. basically a junkyard. We, we get a lot of great abandoned train yard stuff where Richard Lynch hangs out like he's some kind of Batman villain. Like old Scarface <laughs> another hiding just, out at the train yard. The the scene where he's chopping wood on the docks <laughs> yeah. somehow, living kinda, on the docks. What kind of woodworking project is Richard Lynch up to? With like the flannel lumberjack outfit that <laughs> looks like it has like a fancy vest. Yeah. Yeah, he's wearing like a suit vest but like, over like a flannel. But like fishmonger sleeves. You're just like, what is going on? Yeah. And he's got that that like Farrah Fawcett shag. Oh, that usually, hair. Usually he has a little bit more tightened up cut. I'll never understand how they got people's hair to look like that. Man. It's insane. Things were so hirsute in the <laughs> 70s. People were going crazy with their hair. That's what I love. I loved the era of uh, like the bald dudes who mm-hmm. were just like, I'm growing whatever's else left long. And then I'm just <laughs> spinning it in other directions. Yeah. Every, their hair was so shaggy. Everything had the everybody had the bushiest mustache with like super stubbly cheeks and just like horseshoe haircuts, but the horseshoe hair was like really fluffy. But they, they make just, it work. It's like they got the wings just like perfectly covering yeah. the ears. Oh yeah, like, I could never get that to happen. My ears stick out, so you got this little like ear popping the out in between the hair. Swept back dews and just it's the same. F- I don't know if I'm jealous or just like mystified. I love it. I love the era of being able to grow out a big old bushy mustache and wear like permanently tinted sunglasses like my uncle the pharmacist. Right. And just wear like a kind of close been a, cop. a close fitting brown suit. And like, just an outrageous I'm into that. leather jacket. I'm a down big past your anything ass. that would allow me to wear deep brown leather waistcoats mm-hmm. with like deep pockets that I can wear like kind of nice like zipper back gloves yeah i'm choosing that i think that's that's what i'm into Mm -hmm. you know like i said collars up collars up fellas so yeah the vibe of this movie and and the feeling of this movie is unmatched Mm -hmm. too many great winter coats best winter quote per frame ratio i like you know i i love a lot of 70s movies especially new york ones for that set that that look the streets the this one though, the yeah. fashion, really yeah. blew me away. I'm not good. even joking. It wasn't so garish, and I love 
that element of like modern Scorsese, the Irishman. Because oh, yeah. I love the recreated uh, tough guy fashion. You know, those tapered oh, waist polyester shirts that are open like... But you can tell... But it looks like a stereotype right. to our eyes if you see it in the it Irishman. Looks, like, come on. People didn't really dress up great, like that. It looks great, but it looks like almost like slightly sunnier Toontown version of it. Right. And this is the more bleak, itchy wool version of that. Where it's like, I can't tell which of these suits is a nice suit versus a tacky suit. <laughs> right. Like, they're all kind of playing on the same field right now, even though I'm sure there's some differences. Mm-hmm. But I love it. I, I love, love these it. sideburns. I don't really want sideburns. I like a beard. Sideburns feel a little, you know, early 2000s, late 90s. But <laughs> their sideburns are just like, Jesus, they're really, really growing those things out and up. You know, I love Loud it. and proud. It's like, it's the same kind of energy that you get from parents' wedding photos. Oh, yeah. We're of the perfect era where every groomsman had like a bushy mustache. And the pictures are all kind of brownish pink colored <laughs> now with time. All the women had like kind of feathered in bobs. Just like, wow, what? Everybody was uh, going for all the same thing, huh? But it's all on the perfect rainbow of display mm-hmm. in the seven ups. Absolutely. Oh, brilliant. Great stuff. Yeah. We're, we're, like I said, we're going to do more 70s crime. It's such a, it's such a equal love for us to horror, but we just seem to cover horror more because it's more of a thing that's common more frequent the last thing i want to say about the at least with the 70s crime is that we'll never see it like again like you can try to recreate it with Mm -mm. stuff like the irishman or you know there's there's modern day mobster movies that i've liked sure but i feel like the car movie as far as a car chase movie now everything with fast and furious is like tanks and airplanes and mission impossible stunts (laughs) and you're never going to get just that sweet satisfaction of a simple 1v2 car chase yeah. through crowded streets it's a it's just not it, you know it's it's a it's an art that exists in that time it's it's a higher floor for the genre because of the era that it was set because of the time where you had to manually do way more things mm-hmm. and you had a more archaic and more dangerous vehicle and you also had a time where safety laws were more lax. And these scenes, you know, I've seen the recreation of a couple of these stunts. There's a great uh, 10-minute documentary on YouTube called, like, The Anatomy of a Scene, of Anatomy of a Chase, something like that, where they break down the big chase, and it has Bill Hickman giving a couple of tips of the trade, and they show how the door scene is done. One of the best doors getting blown off scenes. Uh, Comes right at you. Beautiful stuff. Like, and I think they show how like someone almost got nailed by that on set yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's real metal flying at you. Uh, yo, yeah. I mean, there was a guy ducked down two cars away, and the door flies off straight for him like a sh- sharp missile. The uh, guy had to would duck, ta- di- it, duck down uh, between the cars. It would have taken his head right off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it came one mirror blockage away mm-hmm. from taking his head off. And uh, that comes through in these scenes. That authenticity just comes through so good. And today's chases don't have that authenticity. Mm-hmm. They feel, you know, it's 
Well, it's all green screened, you know. Or, yeah. And I'll just point out on the at least the IMDb, it's uh, it's saying the Seven Ups is like two point four million dollar budget. <laughs> Even in seventy three, that's not yeah. much. With inflation today, that's probably you know twelve million. So I'm sure the last Fast and Furious was a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. You yeah. Know, it's just you can't compare them anymore. And I'm entertained by uh, Mission Impossible stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I like I said, I like movies like Gemini Man and stuff that are kind of modern takes on this kind of thing. But it has to do so much more and so much more unique to capture just the simple authenticity of these 70s chases that feel more flying by the seat of our pants than like ducking down between two parked cars when a tumbling over flipping semi truck crashes right. onto them kind of thing. like, oh, yeah, it's it's crazy. And something about the mid-level, like these aren't, this isn't the elite Ethan Hunt Mission Impossible spy. Yeah. Or the Gemini Man, you know, super soldier. Yeah. These are guys working for a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, right. Who, who, you know, go out dancing on the weekends and the thugs are making $100,000 off each of these kidnappings. That's not that much. Yeah. $100,000. I mean, that's nice. That sets them up pretty good. I don't think it's rest of your life money. Yeah, we're not. And every so. time they do this, it's in the danger of blowing up in their faces. And they're already doing five of them. So the whole movie just has that tension that every one of these schemes could end quick. Mm-hmm. And then it does. And, oh, it's so good. Yeah, the 7-Ups, true classic. Good stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. I think it's come to this. It came to this. Uh I'm Charlie again. I'm Eric. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We're going to do this as uh, responsibly as possible for the foreseeable future. But uh, this is something we love to do, and uh, we hope you guys are uh, enjoying it. Yeah, feels good to be back in the saddle. Good night for now. Until next time. Came to this.